What's good, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're talking about the price of inhibition. And by inhibition, I mean severe emotional repression. Spoiler alert, it's, uh, it's everything. All right, guys, I'll sit for this podcast. I'll see. <laughs> it is everything, but let's get into it deeper, right? So everybody wants three basic things. Three basic things are all we need to have a happy and fulfilling life pretty much all around. Health, our physical health. Healthy bodies, healthy minds, wealth, um, ability to take care of our families and ourselves, and relationships, having people to share all that stuff with. Now I want to talk about each of these in turn, and I want to start with the end effect of having high inhibition or high emotional repression, and then move on to the cause. So, relationships. Someone who is super severely inhibited, meaning they have severe emotional repression, they have a lot of low-quality people in their lives or no people in their lives. They're super alone. They just hang out by themselves. Nobody calls them. Nobody wants to hang out with them. Nobody wants to be around them. There is a caveat to the situation of having no people in your life. Having no people in your life doesn't make you a bad person or super inhibited, but most likely the case for most people is that they just have low-quality people or no people because of severe inhibition. And it's a very simple equation why somebody would have low-quality people in their life, and it's because they have not rejected low-quality people in their minds. The low-quality people from their past, their inner voices of all these low-quality people dominate their thoughts, and they conform to those thoughts. And as long as they conform to those thoughts, those low-quality thoughts from those low-quality people, only low-quality people will be drawn to them because they'll be able to take advantage of the situation by continually to verbally abuse you, emotionally abuse you, or just do whatever low-quality people do around each other. Whenever you decide to reject low-quality people in your mind, you would eventually do it in person. Let's say you're doing a behavior, we'll call it X behavior. You're doing X behavior that results in a low-quality life and low-quality people to be around you. But one day you decide you don't want to do X anymore. Y is actually better. It's better for your relationships in the future. And you say to your X friends, the people who are doing X low-quality behavior or X low-quality people, you say to them, hey... I was just thinking, and you know, why seems a lot better. I'm going to do why instead. Y'all, y'all want to come with me and do why? Or you say, hey, I'm deciding to do why. I still love y'all. Y'all look cool and all that stuff. But I think why is better, so I'm going to go do that stuff. And what will happen is you will get a lot of verbal abuse right there and then, and a lot of emotional abuse right there. And say, how could you do that? You're not, you're not, you're not able to do that because X, Y, Z, you're a low-quality person like, just like us. Stop trying to be so better than us. You're not better than anybody else. Stay your ass here. Stay at the bottom of the barrel. Stay around us low-quality people. If you want a specific example, you can think about the people who decide they want to lose a whole bunch of weight. They're, let's say they're a whole bunch of weight, overweight. They're like 100 pounds overweight. And if you're an overweight person, that overweight, pretty much everyone in your life is probably that much overweight also. If they're not that much overweight, then they're probably very distant from you. Or they get some type of pleasure in not encouraging you to lose that weight. So you have low-quality people around you in that arena. You say to your friends, you say to your family members, I'm going to lose weight. I got this program. I got this coach. We got a plan worked out and all this stuff. I can't wait to lose this 100 pounds. I'm going to feel so good. I'm going to be a lot more attractive to the opposite sex and all this stuff. And what will happen is your friends will start picking on you, and they'll start saying stuff to try to get you to stay with them so that they don't have to feel the anxiety of having to improve themselves. Because to continue the behavior that results in high overweightness is a low quality behavior 
and it will result in people who are not super overweight to not want to be around you because I don't know if you think like this, but for me, I see everybody is trying to recruit me to whatever lifestyle they're living. If you're around a whole bunch of weed smokers, they're going to want you to smoke weed. And if you don't smoke weed, they're going to verbally abuse you. You're just a square. You're just this. You're just that. You're better than everybody else. Same thing if you're around a whole bunch of drinkers. You don't drink? Oh, man, you're a square, bro. You you just got a stick up your ass, and you're just walking around with that stick up your ass. <laughs> Something like that. People are always trying to recruit you. And most people don't have reason and evidence and arguments to back their positions. They have verbal abuse, uh, making mean comments. That's the only thing they've learned. And they've probably got that from people in their past who are low quality. The first step to a high-quality relationship is to reject Everything that results in a low-quality relationship, which means you have to reject those voices in your head telling you that you're low-quality because X, Y, Z. And once you do that in your mind, and you do it enough in your mind, you will take action that will result in you leaving those low-quality people in the real world. But once you do that, they're going to try to pull you back in with their verbal abuse and whatever else tactics that they use to try to get people to stay at the bottom with them. All right, so that's relationships. Now let's move on to health. You can think about health in two ways. You got the physical body, and of course you have the mental body, or <laughs> the mental body, and then you have your mind. So it is a well-known fact that a lot of people in hospital beds are there because of anxiety and stress. Anxiety and stress results in a lot of health issues, physical and mental. Now you may be thinking to yourself, like, how does this result in inhibition, or how does this come about by inhibition? So let's get right to that. It's very simple. Anxiety is a positive emotion. Now, I know people don't see it that way, but you're an automatic success mechanism and everything that happens in your body is trying to get you to take action that will result in the, in the <clears throat> excuse me, everything that's happening in your body, your emotions, the pain, the pleasure, is trying to guide you in the right direction. When you're feeling anxiety, it's your body trying to tell you through your emotional state that, hey, you need to take some different actions so that we don't feel this emotional anguish. And people who experience anxiety a lot, what they're doing is practicing the inhibition of anxiety, which is to say, whenever anxiety comes up, they try to drown themselves in external stimuli, be it weed, TV, video games, movies, whatever they like to do to distract themselves to get the anxiety to go away. But of course, it goes away for a little bit, but of course it comes back again and again and again. So it is a result, a direct result of being inhibited. I see anxiety specifically as your body telling you that you're missing some information and that if you had that information, you would take different actions. So whenever I feel anxious about something, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, like, what am I missing here? And I think about it and I think about it until that answer pops into my head. And then I implement that that action or that answer that I got. And the anxiety leaves me and it doesn't come back, at least not in that specific for that specific problem. So the price of avoiding knowledge is anxiety and the price of anxiety and the continuous denial that you have anxiety and that is caused by you and your lack of information about your certain goal or certain subject results in inhibition and is a result of continued inhibition and will cause you to experience adverse health mentally and physically. And the thing about health is that it can also be um, an outcome of low quality relationships. You have these low quality people in your life. You haven't rejected them. You haven't left them. And therefore, you, your body is telling you you have a lot of anxiety and you keep denying that maybe your relationships are the problem and that if you change your relationships, you have less anxiety and then these health problems will go away. And I think relationships are a big factor in the health of a person physically and mentally. There is no way that someone has healthy, 
functional relationships with high quality people and experiences anxiety on a consistent basis in a stressful manner that results in health issues unless it has something to do with their wealth or their money-making ability, which we'll get to right now. There's a lot of ways you can think about health. I have a few different ways that I think about it, and I'll share them with you real quick before we get into the inhibition of it all. One way that I think about wealth is that it is a result of marketing and selling. Marketing is about getting people's attention, and then selling is about keeping their attention and giving them to exchange resources for whatever you have whether that be time, money, or anything else. Also think about wealth as a direct correlation to how well somebody communicates. So someone who cannot talk at all and they can't understand words has pretty much zero chance of building any wealth. But yet the person who can write um, a song or write a novel that moves the world, changes people's perspective, gives people new uh, wisdom, that person can make a lot of money. They can have a whole bunch of wealth. The CEO is the CEO because he can communicate. If he couldn't communicate on a very high level the way he does, then he wouldn't be the CEO. He would maybe be a manager. And if he couldn't communicate as well as a manager, he would be the implementer. And if he couldn't communicate as good as an implementer, maybe he'd be a janitor. And if he can't communicate as well as a janitor, maybe he has to drive the bus. And if he can't drive the bus, that means he can't communicate at the level of someone has, who drives a bus. So maybe he's sweeping the floor. I don't know. Communication is a, has a direct correlation to wealth, in my opinion. Lack of communication, lack of wealth. High levels of communication, able to move people, to take action, to experience emotion, to gain wisdom, to change the world. Lots of wealth. And that is a, a central motivation of mine and why I do these podcasts. I need to learn how to communicate, express my ideas in a coherent and concise manner, in a way that gets people to take action, experience emotional things, experiential, experience morality like they've never experienced before, and go out in the world and do something different. If I can do that, I can have all the wealth that I want. And when I say communicate, I mean it on two different levels. You have the person-to-person level. I have to convince you of certain things. I have to get you to take action and all that good stuff. And then the side that people don't look at, the ability to communicate with reality. You got to understand reality and play by reality's rules. So wealth is communicating with reality and then communicating with people. You say... You say to reality, hey, I want to understand you, this and this and that. So you go out and you understand reality, which means you create products and services that actually benefit people. And you know that by testing and the marketing and all this good stuff. And then you have to go and communicate what you learned with about reality to people out in the real world, the actual people who can actually say words to you. If I have a theory of mathematics that proves that gravity is just a, a social construct, <laughs> a social construct in that if you just do this cheat code that I have, you can fly around in space and not have to worry about oxygen and all this crazy stuff, right? Let's say I communicate that in a way that millions upon millions of people believe that and they actually <laughs> and they actually want to try it. Even if this theory was true, that I can teach you how to fly around in space without oxygen, I could teach you how to defy gravity on Earth. If I cannot convince you of it, then it doesn't matter. You can have a great business idea with case studies and proofs and logical arguments. But if you cannot express that to investors, to people who are potentially customers of yours, then it doesn't matter. And this is why people can have superior products and services to other people, but have no sales because of it, because they cannot communicate with other people. So when I think about inhibition and wealth, I think about, in general, 
the lack of ability to communicate. And this ties directly into relationships. You have relationships with low-quality people who refuse to let, allow you to communicate in a logical and argumentative manner where reality is the ultimate arbiter of truth. And therefore, you cannot convince people of anything. You can't get people to buy from you. You don't know how to market people because you don't know how to communicate with them in a way that will get them to exchange values with you. So relationships is the one thing that we, if we get right, your relationships, uh, your, your life will be a lot better in terms of your health and your wealth. So I urge you to please find some great relationships with people, get into coaching programs with people who are doing the things you want to do. Reject the people who are low quality because if you don't reject them, then you're due to get sabotaged because self-sabotage does not exist. And yeah, that's all I got to say, man. The price of inhibition is literally everything that you ever wanted. It's everything that you ever wanted. And I see it as a moral imperative to uninhibitize myself. <laughs> I don't know if that's the word. To uninhibit myself in a way so I can have my relationships, my health, my wealth. So I can have the family that I want to have. Have the health that I want to have. Have the wealth that I want to have. And I owe it to my future family to have quality relationships right now. I owe it to them to have my wealth right. I owe it to them to have my body right in terms of my health. So, that's all I got to say for now. Hopefully this sounded coherent enough for you to make something or take something out of this. And I'll see you in the next one. Peace out.